Bonjour, uh, bienvenue sur Out on Her Fanny. Uh, it's a, I, don't, I don't know the Spanish word for podcast. It is, hang on, es, let me check. It is podcast. Es un podcast. I can't remember how to say about the nanny. I haven't done Spanish <laughs> in a very long time. Would you prefer I did this I was... in a language that you spoke? <sighs> oh, this is out on her fanny, a podcast about the nanny. Um, that was Ben. Ben does not know French. I'm Mandy. I'm not letting you do this. I know I'm a doing, little. I'm doing this now. All right. Well, welcome to Out on Her welcome Fanny, to, a I podcast did that. about the welcome nanny. My name's it. Ben. And I am Mandy. Yeah. And, and I'm getting us back. This episode has nothing to do with France? No, not even slightly, no. I just wanted some variety. I was originally <laughs> was originally going to op- do the opening uh, in German. Is you, can you even, like... Speak German? Not even slightly. I speak I speak less German than I speak French, so I opted for French. My dad could speak... Well, my dad could swear in German. If you were ever in a house while he was assembling IKEA furniture, you knew about it. How are you doing, other than me attempting to blindside you with uh, unexpected French? You would just... Uh, so, before we started the podcast, like, we did our getting room tone and stuff, and you were like, oh, I have to look something up yeah. before I do it. And I thought you were looking up, like, something about the episode or something. But no, you were just using Google Translate. Yeah, because I, would, I was going to do this, and I forgot to do it earlier. So I was like, oh, crap, now I've got to do it now. Quick, quick, quick. Uh, German, German? No, French. Boom. Because you, you're bad at it. Anyway, uh, what Bonjour at Bienvenue, la out on her fanny. Un podcast... Dom's Lenani. Bienvenue. Je m'appelle Ben. Mi nombre es Mandy. <laughs> oh, if we're doing it in Spanish class, mi nombre es Margarita. <laughs> because for some reason they make you pick Spanish names, even though Amanda is a Latin, like, I'm literally was named by Puerto Ricans. It's a Puerto Rican name. You should have just gone with quesadilla to fuck with them. Well, the full-on thing, because I just picked Margarita because it's a name. Somebody already picked Maria, and I didn't have an option. And they wouldn't let me just be Amanda. Just be a pizza. You're just a regular pizza. Yeah, it's a weird It's a weird concept that they make everyone do a quote-unquote Spanish name. It's like real, real racist looking back on it. It's rough. Um, it is notable that the Spanish teacher that I had junior and senior year, who was a woman who was like, from Mexico, would always get mad because we had to teach like from Spain Spanish. Mm. She hated it. She was like, "Don't use vosotros. Nobody uses this. This is stupid. If you talk like this, you'll get punched in the face." Is that something she actually said? <laughs> no. Was she a violent woman? <laughs> she probably was. If you talk Spanish Spanish from Spain, wild dogs will crawl out of the walls and they'll gnaw at your eyes and you'll be blind. Yeah, uh, but yeah, she she wouldn't make us use the Spanish names. But anyway, the thing, the tangent that I was going to make was that apparently when I was born, my grandfather liked to be racist and call me Margarita Quesadilla to piss off my dad. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're learning some stuff today, huh? Yeah. I've kind of reclaimed it, like my... The username is Mandy Quesadilla. Yeah. And that was actually just like a se- like a separate thing of me trying to explain my last name and saying like the it's K like Quesadilla. Yeah. Because you've been to a Taco Bell, you know how to pronounce the Q in my last name. Yeah. But and then finding out from my mom that like, oh yeah, your pop up did this shit. And be like, oh, okay. <laughs> It's an avocado. 
Thanks. It's racism. Thanks. <laughs> Anyway, what do we actually do on this podcast? Um, we watch the 90s sitcom Married with Children, and then we talk about it. No, I mean, technically they are, they do end up married with children, but that's not what we're watching. Well, I, we watch a sitcom about a woman with big hair and, and uh, uh, a, a, an incredible wardrobe not have sex with a man. How is this any different? <laughs> this is the same show, right? This is really just every sitcom in the 90s. It's yeah. a woman with big hair and a wild wardrobe doesn't have sex with a man. That's so many sitcoms. That's so many 90s sitcoms. <laughs> Name three more. I don't know a lot of sitcoms, Benjamin. There was Married with be- Children was the main one that I watched. I will actually say there was a British version of Married to Children. I think you've told me I this. I think what, I may have what, told but, you this. What was their version? What did they call it? Uh, you know, I have to look it up. Because there were a few internet... It was called Married for Life. There were seven episodes. Once It was one season. And they were called The Butlers, not The Bundies. The Butlers. Yeah. Yeah, of note, Hugh Bonneville played Steve. I don't know who that is. I think Steve was their neighbor? But I don't know who the, the guy, the actor that you said... Yeah, uh, Hugh Bonneville uh, is perhaps best known right now for appearances in films like Notting Hill, Iris. Haven't seen Notting uh, Hill. Paddington. We say this. Co- we have this conversation every time, and you're like, "Ooh, and, Notting Hill!" And, and he's in Downton Abbey. Oh, okay, I know that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you recognize this face? He looks like yeah, um, Downton Abbey bitch. He looks like what Piers Morgan thinks he looks like. Who is the guy that Piers Morgan compared himself to? Oh, I have no fucking clue. I can't. It was Knowing Piers Morgan, it was probably it was very, Idris Elba. It was very mean. <laughs> oh, it was, was it, was it uh, Daniel Craig? He was talking about Daniel Craig holding a baby and it was like, this is what masculinity has been No, there was like literally bullshit. an actor who was like, oh, we look exactly the same. And everyone was like, that is so mean to that actor. Also, y'all look nothing alike. It was Owen Wilson. I don't no. think that's who it was. It was no. DiGiorno. No. Hey, fun DiGiorno fact for our listeners. As you know, we have a little cat. His name is DiGiorno. He has no teeth. Um, he's, we think, probably about eight years old at this point. He was about six when I adopted him. And it's been a couple of years, so I reckon he's got to be about eight. But halfway there. Yeah, um, he's an old boy. He's, a, he's getting old. He's old boy. Um, he's old boy. We've, <laughs> so we have started calling him little man. He has transitioned from boy to man. We do still call him boy quite a lot. Because he, he was briefly man and was, then yeah. wasn't man. This is not our podcast he, at all. No, but I'm going to talk about it because I know that people who follow us on Twitter care about DiGiorno very much. Um, at some point this last week, we decided that the D in DiGiorno was a first initial. So we've been calling him David. Dave, because you gave his full name of David Ian Giorno. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't like being called David even slightly and will not respond to it, which makes sense. because But he doesn't like respond DiGiorno. to DiGiorno. He, his ears are twitching every time we say DiGiorno. He's just not moving about, or acknowledging it. I'm going to say David. Doesn't. David. DiGiorno. There we go. Ears up, eyes open, hearts full. We'll just give him treats every time we say David and then he'll know that he's David. We still call him a boy periodically. We... Mostly call him a boy, because you got very mad where one day you were like, he's not a boy anymore, he is a little man. And then he did something that was so boy. Yeah, and then you were like, no, he's he's boy. He's, he's boy. still boy. He's definitely boy. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. I think he got in a fight with a piece of lint and lost. <laughs> um, 
Uh, so which episode did we watch? We watched season two, episode eight. Keen listeners may have noted that last week I erroneously referred to last week's episode as episode eight. It wasn't. It was episode seven. This one is episode eight. Season two, episode eight. Pishki Business, which is how it's pronounced. It is said several times during the show. Yes, as opposed to how HBO Max has it. HBO Max has it as Pinsky Business. That's definitely a typo, having watched the episode. Yeah, because they say it multiple times. So if you're watching on HBO Max, uh, it is season two, episode six, and you're watching Pinsky Business, and you're going to be wondering, what is a Pinsky? Because uh, they never say Pinsky. It doesn't come up. They say Pishki yeah. a lot. Yeah. Should we talk about it? Yes. Let's play that jingle. Good jingle. Anyway, anyway, Pinsky so, business. <laughs> uh, we start on the three uh, Maxwell House children, and they hear a noise, and they realize that Fran is showing her mother's canasta club. I don't know if they call it a canasta club. It's something I don't entirely know what canasta Isn't is. Isn't canasta club the uh, group that Han Solo defrauded in The Force Awakens, who boarded <laughs> a ship, and then they all got attacked by those giant like. Organic Beyblades. Tell that to Kanja Club. Okay. I guess, <laughs> I guess it's a card game. Anyway, it's a canasta group. Yeah. And Fran is bringing them around into all the children's panic. Cover your teeth! <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Fran walks in with a bunch of elderly women. As they're just going around, Fran is showing off the various things in the fancy home. She shows off the piano and talks about, here's this celebrity that Mandy doesn't know that touched it. And here's a bathroom. And I do believe she mentions Liz Taylor, and I do know who Liz Taylor is. Yeah, Fran's just kind of casually name dropping in a way that i personally find distasteful i remember having a conversation uh with doug jones about this when he was cutting my hair about 11 years ago and uh we both agree that uh, when people name drop it's just the worst and doug told me that yeah uh, like i a third person i almost had that i almost had that conversation shit. with jayla but i was busy um about to yell at her kids because they were climbing on her furniture at pottery Brown kids and the furniture at pottery Brown kids was not set up correctly She's ruining it and had to be pulled back by a manager of, we cannot yell at J-Lo's children. That was a, that wasn't, I wasn't the one who did that. One of my coworkers did uh, nearly yell at J- I did have a, I think my only closest uh, celebrity thing, I think it's Matthew Gray Goobler, the guy from, he's in some crime show. He said that he liked my skirt and he said that if he was a skirt, that would be the skirt that he would be. <laughs> okay. And also once um, a, a shelf fell on my head and a series of books fell on my head. And then I turned and Aaron Taylor Johnson was there. And I had to ask my coworker, hey, is, am I hallucinating or is that kick-ass? And she was like, yeah, that's kick-ass. I, uh, Ted Danson gave me the stink eye on set once. But in fairness, that's because he was scripted to do so um, because we were on a hospital set and I was playing... An attendee at a uh, white supremacist rock concert that had been blown up. And we were at a hospital. I was being treated. And he had this line that he had. To, I can't remember what the bloody line was. And he was on CSI. And he looked at me and gave me the worst stink eye as he was saying the line. I was like, yeah, you probably should. I'm probably a piece of shit in this show. Okay, I absolutely need to find uh, this episode <laughs> of CSI now. You have, okay, Glee, CSI, um, Greek. 
And I know there's at least one other that I'm that I'm in. There were uh, there were a few shows that I did. You were in a squeakwall. I was in Elvin and the Chipmunks, the squeakwall, but that's a crowd scene. If you can spot me in a crowd scene, I will Venmo you seven dollars. New challenge. Uh, oof! I don't know what to call y'all. The fannies. New <laughs> uh, new challenge. Fannies. Uh, get Elvin and the Chipmunks, the squeakwall, and find Ben in a crowd scene. You are not obligated to purchase or indeed rent this movie. Please steal it. Ben doesn't get any residuals. I don't any get any residuals. residuals. I, was, uh, I was just background. But yeah, I've stood in a corridor with Ted Danson while he uh, talked shit about white supremacists. And my character had to be like, oh man. And I had to be like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I will make this statement very clear. Alan Herfani does not support or endorse Nazis or white supremacy. Get the fuck get out the of here. Get the fuck out of here. That includes all cops. Our bastards. <laughs> yeah, they are that. Um, so Fran's going around telling people about how the time she got a haircut by Doug Jones. And as she's doing this... I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but I just had the thought. This is a series about a Jewish woman, so no pigs. Because Jewish people don't like pigs. Very well done. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so Fran is showing Kanja Club around the house and pointing out celebrities and talking about how down-to-earth she is. And then Maxwell emerges from his office with Ben Vereen. Ben Vereen, who is a person who I only, like... I knew that name. I had no I, idea who no, this was. I have no idea who this is. This, I might also I only know. only know this name uh, because I have seen this episode of The Nanny before. He's a big-name guy. Um, they mentioned some of the things, like he was in Roots, uh, he was in Pippin... Uh, he was in Jesus Christ Superstar. I looked at his Wikipedia page. He's done many things. Also was alive still. I will say this. I did not know the name. I did not recognize him. That is perhaps yeah. to be expected because I'm from a different country. We got our own celebrities. Yeah, But he uh, he steps in and not only do we get like the applause that signifies this yeah. as a special guest, but Fran actually screams. And oh. physically shits herself. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a long cleanup after. It's very awkward. Yeah. Um, That's what all Niles is doing for the rest of the episode is just cleaning up <laughs> friend shit. Yeah. Um, it's a very like so. That's the episode basically. What'd you think yeah. of it? Uh, it was, it was actually probably my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So uh, uh, Fran sees someone named Ben and shits her pants. Like, what's not to love? Uh, so Fran uh, yells, "Ben Vereen!" The the guy comes out with Maxwell, and he has his little bit of like, "Oh, I am a person." And Fran is shouting like, <laughs> "Do roots!" Ben Vereen says, "Hello, I am a person." He says this to camera. And Fran says, "Do roots and do Pippin." Go on, do the death a little now. It cracks me up. Uh, um, Chester Meffield introduced him. Was like, "Oh, he's gonna be in my new play. He's is- gonna be in my play, and it's gonna be good." And then Ben Vereen does a little dance and leaves. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's no it for the rest of them. I, I thought that there might be like a callback at the very end. Um, like maybe he would come back and do like a little dance. Or even like sometimes they do like an out of character, just like dance thing. Yeah. I've, no. No, he just, no. he does, he, he we just are, for a minute. we are not in any way, shape or form exaggerating when, when we say Ben Vereen says he's doing a play for Maxwell, does a little dance and then leaves. That sounds like some bullshit. That sounds like something we might make up. That sounds like something we might make up if we were doing a podcast where we were reviewing, say, a fake sitcom and we're making up a guest celebrity appearance. This actually happens in the show. He does a little dance and then he leaves and then we never see him again. 
We never see him again. The booklet that came with the Shout Factory DVD set makes a big deal about the fact that he's a guest star in this episode. We see him for, I want to say, a cumulative, a grand total of 97 seconds. And th- that is punctuated with him doing a itty bit little dance. And then he leaps. It's like Stiltskin. He shows up. <laughs> he shows up. He, put, he sets up the dominoes. He puts, sets off the plot. He was the inspiration for uh, Idris Elba in Cats going, yes. Cavity. Cavity. Yes. He, <laughs> he is literally the thing that instigates the plot because not only he's, he's not just doing any play for Maxwell he's going to be the lead in a play that Maxwell has wanted to stage for 20 years yeah. and now that Ben Vereen's going to be the lead brilliant now all he has to do is raise the money and Fran raises a very salient question that we've actually asked I think on this podcast once or twice where does he get it does he invest in his own plays the answer is Big fat no. No. Uh, he's never invested in his own plays. It would be like um, a surgeon operating on himself. And say that it's not like that at all. It's not like that, but friend does say she has a cousin who masturbates in a the movie theater. <laughs> it's not quite... There's a hint that that's what, he, that's what the cousin does. Yeah. So the Canasta group... Yes, Kanja uh, Club is still there. Kanja Club is still there. And they say that they want to uh, submit their... They want to invest their winnings. Yeah. Borrowed 50,000 from Kanja Club. This is where the titular Pishki comes from. The Pishki is the prize fund from their years of playing Canasta. And... Which at first, Chester Meth feels like, we don't, we don't need that. And then CCCs... CCCs... CCCs. CCCs. I'm trapped in this spiral. I will. We can get, get you out of it. Wake up, honey. You're going to be late for school. So, CC finds that the Pishki is 25 grand. Which we'll take that. We've got a wedding to pay for. We'll take that money. Maxwell immediately goes from, We're not going to take your pocket money, dear, to, You are mounting a play now. Because they'll get a return on their investment. Um, and then we cut to opening titles. Yeah. And you noticed something uh, special with these did. opening titles. I did notice. I noticed this the last time we watched, but I didn't bring it up at the time. So the, the very beginning where you got the title, title card and you've got the... <laughs> da, 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 da. Fran Fine is walking on the street. She's not on the sidewalk. She's on the pavement. She's on the road, the, the actual road part of the road. And then when the camera zooms into the bridal shop, when we are informed that she was working at a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens, not only does the camera zoom in, but Fran's position shifts geographically, like a foot north, so now she's on the sidewalk. Yeah, because their, their walk cycle wasn't going fast enough for the music. Yeah, I think, well, I think they had her closer to the camera and bigger for the opening titles. And they thought, when we zoom in, no one will notice. But I fucking noticed, because I've been watching this show every week for almost a year. Anyway, I, this is a thing that happens every single episode, and I just happened, I noticed it last time. And Did I, you notice it last time? I didn't, I told you, I told you about it because I had noticed it last time we watched, I just hadn't said anything. Ah. That's the opening titles are otherwise exactly the same as they have always been. There's yeah. nothing interesting about these opening titles. No, they they continue to not wear tan, even though the song says that they wear tan. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we come back and uh, Maxwell's big investor, so not the the Cat Club, not Kanja Club, Kanja Club, Kanja Club. The uh, the big investor is a garbage boy. Yeah, it's he's a trashman, a literal trashman. Um, it is actually it's the Grand Nagus from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, it's Blair's dad from Gossip Girl, <laughs> which no joke is the first time uh, that I saw this person. Uh, that was what I knew him from, and then when I later watched The Princess Bride, I was like, 
Ooh, it's Blair's dad from Gossip Girl. <laughs> so they're getting ready for this investor to come over. Niles has put out a bowl of caviar, and Fran is all anxious and nervous because her mother has put money on this play and is saying, oh, this isn't enough. You've got to put out a spread. You've got to put out, a, a, like, a real, like, actual food, you idiot. Yeah, like, there, there's a good back and forth of Niles saying, well, this is, like, a $100 caviar. This is, like, a big fancy this meal. This is top shit. And she's like, no, you got to think quantity. You got like, get get the cheap fish and you get a lot of cheap fish. And then they look to camera and do an ad for Costco. Yes. And then Chester Mouthfield comes and be like, oh, you guys didn't go to Costco. Did I, <laughs> do we need to renew our membership for Costco? And then there's another, there's another. Oh, wait, we're Sam's Club family. And the, the next, they have an argument over whether they're Sam's Club or Costco. Because Fran has taken the money to advertise Costco to the audience. And Chester Mouthfield has taken the money to advertise Sam's Club to the audience. And so that's kind of the crux of the episode is which sponsorship deal um are they gonna ultimately stick with? And it's a it's a sho- it's shocking. Firstly it's shocking that it's a two parter. Yeah. Um it re- and it has far reaching ramifications for the rest of the narrative on the show. It's it's a big deal. Niles leaves after the next episode <laughs> and then, because of it. Uh at the end they decide to get a sponsorship for Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> <laughs> What's that thing with the grandma that's, that I keep seeing, like, something estate? We keep seeing ads for it. What? But the grandma, like, a grandma in a house, and she's keeping secrets. What's grandma's secret? You know, have you not been seeing these ads? It's like no. something estate. I can't, I don't know no. what it is. They've got money because they're advertising on TV. I've never seen I see this. ads for it all the time. Especially when you're watching something on TLC On Demand. Yes, I'm putting you on blast. You're frequently watching shows on TLC On Demand. What were you watching on TLC today, Mandy? Um, I was watching some Darcy and Stacy. You were watching Darcy and Stacy, so why is this not a Darcy and Stacy podcast? Um, because I didn't know about Darcy and Stacy <laughs> when we started this podcast. Darcy and Stacy might be the fakest reality show I've ever seen in my entire life. It is about twin sisters who have both been on 90 Day Fiance? I think only one has been officially right. on 90 Day Fiance. Like, I haven't seen all of 90 Day Fiance, but I've been to watch one of the seasons uh, before the 90 Days. Yeah. And is it Darcy or Stacy? One of them, one of them was on there and she was like, oh, I was on your previous season and my guy sucked. So now I'm going to England and I got a friend in England and I'm going to get him to marry me in like two weeks. And he also sucks. He also sucks. And the thing is also- it didn't, But it's, it seems very fake. Yeah, it is very fake. It seems like they're both kind of in on it. Yeah. It, it's also, it just, it's, it's such a spectacularly, it is fraud in the best sense because it is so- transparent that that is where the entertainment value comes from on this show and it does seem to be about two twins who are um, both i think very controlling but also deeply insecure yeah and both how they need to marry uh much younger foreign men yes and it won't be a scam this time this time it definitely won't be a scam and we'll be happy forever after oops no. All scam. Oops, all scam. So that's what the podcast is about now. We're just going to talk about Darcy and Stacey. We are, we are not because the, we are waiting for this big shot oh. investor to come. But Cece shows up first. Cece, Cece shows, shows up. up first. She has her lime green umbrella and she talks about how she beat off a tourist. 
She just beat up a Taurus. She kicked him in the dick, smashed him on the head, left him for dead, and got in the taxi. And she's very proud of this. You can tell that this is the sort of thing that Cece lives for, is just being uh, evil to Taurus. Someone get this woman a Sega Genesis and a copy of Mortal Kombat 2. Like, she needs this. She needs an outlet for her rage. Yes. But then she goes in. Uh, Maxwell's very flustered. He's like, you have to, you have to show off your womanly charms. And sees, I guess, her hair got messed up, so she goes into the bathroom to uh, uh, fix her hair. It's not just, hey, you need to show off your womanly charms. It is. So this man is absolutely one hundred percent a grade A pervert, and we want the hundred percent grade A pervert's money. So we need to. Uh, basically just let him be as perverted as he's gonna be. So we can get that money. So we can get that money. So he's gonna be gross and sexist and horrible, and he's basically a Ferengi without the makeup. But you're Cece, and we make jokes about how you're not a person, so yeah, this is fine. This is perfectly fine. So Cece does go off to, do, to, to take care of her hair, and then who should show up but an angry, wet man who is so angry. He is it's Wallace Shawn. Uh, it is, it is the Josip Joel dad. Yeah. It is, uh... His stepdad, technically. His stepdad. Yes, he's also the Grand Nagus. Because it's a, it's a whole thing when he gets man. introduced and Blair, Blair doesn't, doesn't like him. And then, I guess, was also in some movie that nerds like to quote at me a lot. Princess Bride? Yes. Also, he was the Grand I was just, Nagus. I was just making a joke about oh. the thing that, like, nerds like to quote Princess Bride You don't have to pay attention lot. to nerds. Nerds know what they did. Yeah. Um, but he walks in and he's wet and he's angry. I I want to I want to give a thing. I enjoy Princess Bride. Um, I don't enjoy, enjoy I don't enjoy fans <laughs> of Princess Bride. Yeah, I had a harder time getting here than I did coming down the birth canal. <laughs> and yeah, he's angry. He's wet. He's pissed off because he was. You see, he was going to get in this taxi, right? And then some blonde woman with a green umbrella kicked him in the dick, smashed him on the head, and left him for dead. There's a great visual gag as he is uh, giving this rant or this horrible thing of as while Sean is talking about this. Uh, Maxwell grabs a green umbrella and tosses it to Niles. It does not sound funny at all because it's purely just in like the speed at which they do it. Of it's just it's like great. an immediate reaction of like get rid of this. It's a wonderful little background bit. It is. It is something that's just kind of very slickly done. You really do get the impression it's being done very quickly without uh, without the garbage man seeing it. But Maxwell leads the garbage man into the into the lounge area where the caviar has been set up and the garbage man's talking about how he wants to invest half a million dollars and he's like but where's the sexy lady but where's sexy lady where's sexy cc and he told me it was lady maxwell knowing that cc is the one who clocked him upside the head to get into the taxi uh says well what if it's just us what if it's just us boys and he says i'm not into dudes anymore i got that not out since of camp <laughs> got that out of my system and sucked a lot of dick in camp Sure did suck a tremendous amount of dick in camp, but you know what? Those days are behind me, Maxwell. Yeah, I mean, I learned how to masturbate at Girl Scout camp, so that tracks. Yeah. It's a weird thing, because it was also like a super religious Girl Scout thing. I think I've talked about this before, of the the immensely disliking Harry Potter and doing a Sunday sermon directly at me, because I was a heathenist Catholic. Well, your history is great as much. So it's a weird thing to also remember, like... That's when I learned that if you you rub a pillow right there, that feels good. It does feel good. Good, hey, good for you for figuring that out. <laughs> but I thought that it was something new that I was because also super religious. <laughs> we, uh, uh, girls can't masturbate; only boys masturbate. So I thought that I found something new. 
I remember you I telling was, me about this. I was like, I, and I had my whole life figured out of like, I'm going to share this. I'm going to write a book and I'm going to make so much money <laughs> on if you rubbed a pillow right over here, it feels good. I have some bad news. Yeah, apparently everyone already knew that. Yeah. Cece wants to come out and Niles keeps the, the downstairs bathroom door shut, uh, but she managed to call out before Niles shut the door. So Maxwell says, Oh, uh, you might as well know that was my partner, Miss Babcock. All right, come on out, Cece. And then instead of it being Cece stepping up, it's just a leg. In leggy. A leg in uh, in, in black stockings. Because Walshon was talking about that he only wants stockings. to... Stockings? Yeah. Yes. Um, Walshon had mentioned before that he only wants to invest in Broadway. He wants to get out of garbage and go into Broadway because Broadway has sexy women in he it. He just wants to look at legs. He just wants to look at this legs. Is, you have to remember, this is before the advent of having a secret porn tumbler. This is before the advent of Pornhub. I have made zillions in waste management, but you just don't see a lot of leg. And if you do, you're calling homicide. <laughs> he has to spend a lot of money to look at some legs. Yeah, if he wants an OnlyFans, he's just looking at Franz leggy. Yeah. It's only Franz. Can I just say, before we get into the meat of the pot, this is a terrible human being. Yeah. And Maxwell just wants his money, but is also because he is going to be an investor. He's going to have access to... Women's legs. Like, Maxwell is just allowing this. Yeah, we've, we've spoken before about how Maxwell is not a great father, and we've definitely spoken about how Maxwell is not a great businessman. This is Maxwell half a million dollars away from letting a predator loose backstage at Broadway. Yeah, like, like he's, that's he's giving him the connection to, like, a known abuser. He is outright stating, hey, I am uh, investing this money so I can abuse people. Yeah. Um, and Maxwell's like, yeah, sure, I'll this pocket is a, that. This is a man who has almost certainly already had an out-of-court settlement. Yeah. This is the man who's already made someone sign an NDA. <laughs> if this is This is the thing he's comfortable and open talking about. What has he done? What has he done? And Maxwell's like, sure, give us your money. Fantastic. Fuck it. Why not? Terrifying. Yeah. It's it, it's terrifying both, like, the character that Wallachon plays, and Wallachon is good at playing these characters, but also just... This is kind of a repeat of the Brock Storm episode. Yeah. Of the... Uh, Maxwell is going to let someone prey on women because it will get his career further. Yeah. And then, spoilers, he comes around because he's attracted to Fran. Shock horror. Um, but it's just this horrible thing of like, oh, you will you will just allow this. Yeah. You will allow this to get yourself to go further. And that doesn't, that doesn't make you any better than the no. person doing the abuse. And it doesn't help that Fran... Wanting, in fairness to Fran, she wants to help. She wants to help Maxwell. She claims to be Cece Babcock. She steps out. She says, "Hi, I'm Cece. I'm uh, Maxwell's business partner." And she like years. puts up like the whole thing. Like she's talking about like a run on her stocking. Like she is playing, she's, playing into, yeah. "Hey, this is a perv. I'm gonna perv this up." Which I am not putting a blame on for. Like I don't put a, a blame on a person using that to get uh, where they need to. I know, that, like, that's always the, like, for decades, that was the thing of, like, oh, they would get mad at a woman for using her sex appeal instead of the person who is looking uh, to only judge people by said sex appeal. I'm yeah. like, I don't... It is an unfair system. Gotta do what you gotta do. And Fran is doing oh, what she needs to do. 
So they take they take Fran into the office. Maxwell, Niles, and Cece take Fran aside, and, and they say, we have three minutes to teach you everything you need to know to be Cece Babcock. And then they mention one thing, and that is that the play was going to open in Philly. And they spend the rest of the time just fucking around. Yeah. Uh, Cece is not not into this no um but maxwell is like well you've you fucked this up there's nothing that we can like if he knows that it's you that you're that you're cc because you uh you also physically assaulted him yes yeah, stop beating people up at, outside taxis they could have a lot of money <laughs> you're gonna get us sent to jail that's when Wallace Shawn knocks on the door. The character has a name, but we never he's refer just, to the guest stars. It's just the garbage it's, man. It's, it's the Grand Nagus. It's the garbage Nagus. He opens the he door. Doesn't, he doesn't get to be uh, the stepdad in Jossip Patrol because he was really nice as the yeah. stepdad. He was like, toward the end, because there were a lot of very nice parents, but they were not nice by the end of it. Wallace Shawn remained a nice, yeah. a nice stepdad through the end. Wallace Shawn has Wallace range. Yeah. And that doesn't rhyme, nor does it have to. <laughs> you know why? Because it's Wallace fucking Shawn. You can quote me on that. And I hope someone does. I want the thing I just said on his gravestone when he dies. Wallace <laughs> Shawn is Wallace Range. Um, but he knocks on the door and, to, and says what's going on in there. And by the time he's opened the door, they've shoved Cece out onto that patio area where he's also pissing it down with rain. And he says, what are you doing here? And they say, oh, well, we have to put the dog out. And a lot of lawyer conversation happens or legal conversation happens it's very kind of light fluffy blah 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 blah. there's not a lot really there to talk about there's a there's a joke about uh, because fran had been told that the show is opening in philly and the grand nagus asks where's the show opening and she can't remember so niles offers her some cream cheese and she says we're opening at craft <laughs> in fairness to fran not realizing that what they say is uh, and I'm sure you can roll this back for us. All right, we have exactly three minutes to teach you everything Miss Babcock knows about the theater. We can do that and make a two-minute egg. <laughs> First, we open in Philadelphia. And then they cut off. They stop. They don't that say anything. That sounds else. like, and I thought that it was a reference to, maybe that's where Broadway started. Or <laughs> maybe that's where CC starts. Yeah. That's, is, we're going on CeCe's uh, knowledge of Broadway, not this play. Broadway. We open in Philly, 1972. A young Cece Babcock roams the streets in search of her next prey. I don't know why I decided at the end she was like a velociraptor or like a tiger or something. Um, but uh, that's where I went with it. Yeah, so they're like, because I always had that disconnect when they do it uh, of the cream cheese bit. And then she says craft and like then getting, oh, it's a joke because it's Philly. But I forgot about the Philly thing because I thought you were just talking about in general plays. Craft. Yeah. Craft is in Germany, fun fact. But, uh... TLDR, the Grand Nagus ends up hitting on Fran, who he thinks is Cece, something fierce, and says, well, why don't we have dinner tonight? Where shall I pick you up? Fran doesn't know where Cece lives and decides <laughs> to go rummaging through her purse for a business card. And, uh, well, first she goes rummaging through her own purse, and Niles has to be like, no, your purse. That's my purse. <laughs> it's the rage in Europe. Which was fun. Ha, ha, like, yeah, it is a tired joke. Men can have a purse if they want to, but he does play it. It's just kind of the embarrassed, like, yeah, this is mine. This is, like, it's, the character is done well. Yeah. So even though the joke is kind of tired and not great, it's character. He makes it his own. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a great joke, but it is a joke that he makes his own in a way that is entertaining to watch. Yeah. 
Fran, as Cece, ends up going through Cece's purse, finds a few things, finds a uh, uh, Finds a uh, retin-A. Retin-A. Which is a uh, face cream that is for uh, wrinkles or pimples. Mm-hmm. Collagen, which is to plump the face, also get rid of wrinkles. A loaded revolver. I care, did she find her revolver? There's no revolver, I'm making a fun bit. <laughs> oh, because she also finds uh, her therapy bill. Yes. Oh, the bill from my shrink. Whoa, am I unhappy. <laughs> and then Maxwell just blurts out the address, doxing Cece on national television. And then the Grand Nagus is like, cool, I'll pick you up there on the Grand Nagus, bye. Which, they could have they just been like, oh... I work here. Just pick me up here. She, and she try, does try to go down that avenue. Yeah. You think I live here? I'm such a freeloader. <laughs> and then it's like Niles who's like, no, go through the purse and find a business card instead. Yeah. They could have just picked her up from here. But as so we cut to the lounge and uh, Fran has gotten dressed in some fancy attire, which is not CC fancy. It's Fran fancy. Yeah. It is a sequin uh, tiger stripe mini dress. Which I do think I saw you go- typing those words into Google search to try to buy one the minute you saw it. That's very good dress. <laughs> so uh, when when is it expected to arrive? I couldn't find it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm still looking. So she comes out. She feels like this is this is Fran dressing conservatively, is dressing as a sequined tiger. Yeah. Brighton and Maggie are playing cards, and Brighton lies about uh, his cards being... Uh, he says three kings beat four queens. I don't know what game they're playing. Scrabble, probably. I have no idea. <laughs> and Fran calls him out and be like, no, we don't lie in this house. And Brighton's like, what the fuck are you doing then? And she's like, I'm playing pretend. It's different. Different. There's also a bit about uh, Gracie's playing hide and seek. And Brighton has just left, left her to there. die. <laughs> and Fran is like, you play hide and seek or I will take your masturbation materials away. Find your sister or I'll hide your porn. And that's, <laughs> that is the title of like seven separate Pornhub videos posted today. Yeah. <sighs> don't, don't search those. Don't search those. We're, <laughs> we're not responsible. Could we set up a Pornhub account just to post clips of the nanny? I don't. I don't know. Like, how is uh, Pornhub better or worse at like copyright? Because I think they're worse. I think what we could do is we could record video of us recording the podcast, but we only post it on Pornhub. <laughs> it's, no YouTube, no Vimeo. That's the reason why uh, I haven't like made us a YouTube thing is because we use so many clips, and I don't yeah. want the audio things to like scrub it. I think we it would count as fair use. I mean, I know it would count as fair use, but I also don't want to have to fight it. Yeah. Like, I feel like it'd be something that would be easy for it to be flagged. Yeah. And it would just be a constant doing it. I mean, if if, if people want us to be on YouTube, or comment, But I'm pretty sure, like, the people who would want us to be on YouTube are the people who don't listen to regular podcasts. It's someone whose name is uh, Sunny Entertainment. And they're like, yeah, absolutely post your shit to YouTube. And an emoji of hands rubbing. <laughs> Brighton runs upstairs and Fran's off. Fran's heading out to go to this, to go to Cece's apartment for this day. Yeah, but uh, before she goes, she asks Niles uh, to give her some prep as Cece by giving giving her a little dig. Help get her in character. Yeah, and uh, he's not going to do it at first, but Fran is just egging him on. Starts and, setting him up. Yeah, uh, and just give him little zingers. Until the very end, uh, when she finally goes, and he's I was like, "Oh, now, now I'm hot. Now I want, I want more of this. My dick is so hard, though, Fran." <laughs> um, 
And so Fran gives him an easy one. And Fran gives an easy one. But it's watching him struggle to put together uh, the bit. Like, that is... That is the character shit that I love. Yeah. Of not only like when you have people do like the woody back and forth, and you just have the one time where they don't, they don't get it. And you can see him frustrated with himself for not being able to do the thing. And he then does. Fran leaves, and then he finally gets it, and he just yells it, yells it out the front door at a cop. That's good. Yeah, but uh, we already said no cops. So next scene. Next scene. So Cece's in her apartment. Uh, there's a knock at the door. She opens the door. It's Fran. Cece's prepared a dossier on her entire life, which obviously Fran will have plenty of time to read ahead of the Grand Nagus showing up in mm, 17 seconds. Yeah. It had her prep school, her coming out, and Fran is like, You came out? <laughs> so what are you always sniffing around Miss Sheffield for? My coming out party, Miss Fine. I know, I heard you. You know, now you and your special friend can dance together at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, there's... Friend definitely misinterprets this as, oh, you, you're a lesbian. You're a lesbian? Okay, well, you're a lesbian. You know what? Hey, you do... Like, she's, she's supportive. She's wrong, but she's supportive, and I like that energy. He's a little confused, but he got the spirit. In fairness, Cece is very bad at trying to uh, explain... Appear straight and also explain it. She's like, no, not coming out. I mean, my coming out party. Fran's like, oh, so you threw a party. That's good. I That just I, further cements how gay she is. Yeah. Like, like I think, and I only I only know these uh, through Gossip Girl. There's a lot of Gossip Girl in this episode. This is the Gossip Girl of Nanny episodes. <laughs> uh, but I think that she means a debutante ball, like yeah. that kind of coming out. Even I know that. Okay. That wasn't derogative about you. That was me just being, oh, this is a thing. Nom, 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 nom. Why are you, you, you sound like you're eating a bagel. Is that how I eat bagels? That is the sound you make when you eat a bagel. Okay. <laughs> I guess I've never listened to myself well, it's also eat a the bagel. Sound, it's also the sound I make when I'm miming, when I'm making sounds to vocalize DiGiorno chomping on cat food. No. no, when you do that, it's like, nom, nom, nom. That's no, when, that's when he's licking when himself. He's like, nom, 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 when nom, he's nom. when he's drinking water, it's blam, 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 blam. Are you enjoying this, listener? ASMR. But they don't get time to go through the dossier or talk el- any more about uh, Cece's fabulous gay life in New York because what happens is there's a knock at the door and yeah, it's and the for, Grand Nagus. Yeah, and for someone who was initially very supportive of uh, Cece's com- coming out, a friend does sure shove her back in that Immediately closet. Immediately shoves her back in the closet <laughs> and then opens the door and there's Wallace Shawn. Yes, he has uh, brought flowers. Yeah. And he comments on the apartment is nothing like what he expected because it's not like Fran as CC's. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's style. a very it's a very sparse apartment and we there are a few jokes made at the expense of the apartment. I don't hate it. Yeah, it's a very there apartment even cuz I feel like uh design has moved so forward into into sparseness that it's not even aggressively sparse living space yeah i feel like if they had not told me that it's supposed to be sparse i would not think that this is supposed to be a sparse yeah it's definitely not main character on a sitcom apartment design but it is an apartment in new york that a human being would live in. yeah it's also like vague apartment that you need to use because maybe this is uh, a set that is used by a lot of different shows and you need to be basic enough that it can work for any of them 
it's almost certainly a redress of a set we've seen elsewhere on the show before. But uh, the Grand Nagus tells Fran you should put that in a vase. There's a brief moment of Fran uh, looking in, in a wrong closet for a vase because she thinks it's in the kitchen. Even though she was just in the kitchen, she knows where the kitchen is. Yeah, she was just in the kitchen because uh, Cece took her in there to talk about, like... Oh, I have drinks. I only have, have hard hard liquor only, no mixers. Yeah. Um, but Fran brought her own mixer of Clamato juice. Yes. Is it any good? I mean, it's, clama- it's, cl- it's clam tomato juice. I've never had it. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's it's used for mixing okay. in, in drinks. Okay. You probably wouldn't like it because it has tomato juice. And I don't know if you like clams. <laughs> do you like clams? Um, clams and I are no longer on speaking terms. Okay. They know what they do. Well, then you will like zero, zero of the things that is in the Clamato <laughs> juice. So uh, the Grand Nagus says he doesn't, he doesn't want to invest half a million. He's not interested in investing half a million. What he wants to do is invest a full mill. And what he proposes is that he and Cece ditch Maxwell. But this bit happens slightly after something else happens because there's a knock at the door. While they're in the kitchen looking for vase, there's a knock at the door. There's a knock at the door. There's a knock on the door. And Fran is initially dismissive and ignores it and walks further into the kitchen. And while they're in the kitchen, Cece sneaks out of the closet, opens the door, and there's Maxwell. Maxwell is... He's on a mission. He's like, I don't, I don't want to do business like this. I want to be open. I want to be clean. I want to be honest. I'm going to march like, over there and Maxwell, tell him. You keep doing business like this, You've though. been doing business like this consistently for a season and a half, my guy. And Cece says, also, as well as having done business like this for a season and a half, because you're a character in a fucking sitcom, you idiot. Also, he's going to give us a million dollars. Maxwell says, why don't we go back in the closet and stay there for the duration of their date? Yes. I don't care how important this play is to me. Nothing is worth this. He's up to a million. They're coming. Get in the closet. (laughs) Uh, So then they come back out, and that is when, uh, while Sean was staring directly at Fran's titties. He's on the warpath. He's like, you said to me that... Uh, Maxwell Sheffield is history's greatest monster. That he's a hideous buffoon of a man. He's useless. He could. He's less useful than a chocolate teapot. A- an absolute waste of space. And inside the closet, Maxwell, who neither of them know is there, is fuming. And he's look. He's looking at Cece because this is all shit Cece has said to the Grand Nagus on the phone. And Cece's response to this is, "I have a gun in here somewhere. I'm going to shoot." Fran Fine. So what Cece says to that, to Wallace Shawn saying stuff, is, no, I said that you were, uh, said things that were complimentary. I can't remember what the actual line is, but that sounds similar yeah. enough of like, I, th- I said you were a trailblazer. You said on the phone that you're the brains and he's just a pretty face and a blazer. I said that? How dare me? <laughs> You were pretty great and a trailblazer. Damn cellular phones. But the way that it's played, because it's it can go either way yeah. of it could just be that she is like lying on the spot. But it's not I feel like it was written that way if she's just lying on the spot, but she yeah. does she doesn't play it as the like, oh I'm scrambling to come up with an excuse. She is so sure to the point that like you almost believe her yeah. that oh maybe that her cell phone did mix up the call. And then she wants a gun. Well, she wants a gun because Fran responds back of no, you're you're shit. 
and Maxwell is great, and I want nothing to do with you. And that's when Cecil that's says, "That's right, yes." Because Cecil always wants the, the money. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because she also says, "And be like, oh, and I suck. I as Cece suck butt. I eat eggs every day. I got breath like Wario's anus." My my butt is either too big or too small, depending on what this decade wants. I am the opposite. I have a unpleasant butt. My butt's weirdly sharp. My butt is... Un- I've got a butt like a PlayStation character. <laughs> if I fell down butt first in a bounce house, that thing would deflate. You see Laura Croft Tomb Raider and you're like, mmm, sexy. And I gotta tell you, no... I have to spend a lot of money at the doctor. Send it down those harsh edges. Harsh edges. <laughs> I gotta get special chairs. <laughs> you know those chairs? You know that pizza place, Family Brothers Pizza, across the road from uh, uh, Professor Farnsworth's lab in Futurama that has the chairs where the knees bend up? That's the chair I need to sit in because my butt's that bad. It's, it's a, just it's bad. A it's a bad butt point- My butt is actually full of elbows. When I was uh, gestating in the womb, all my genes decided where a butt should be, we're just going to make more elbows. I swallowed my twin in utero, but instead of absorbing them entirely, they just went straight to my butt, and I have a big butt with a human face on it. <laughs> and that, butt, that is, is not Carla. a happy butt. She's so angry. That's actually why my name is Cece, um, because one of the C's is me, and the other C is my twin sister. It's a family trait, inherited. That's why my mother's name is Dee Dee. She's D, and her butt is D. BB's just two big butts <laughs> walking around, to, walking around. They they like ate normal. they ate each other, and they both became butts. <laughs> became butts, yeah. It's like a street sharks, but for butts. <laughs> I have a street shark for a butt. <laughs> so Maxwell comes out of the closet and goes, "I'm gay," and we go, well, "We know," and then he leaves. Yeah, uh, no, he just goes out of the closet. Um, like confronts the garbage man and goes, leave garbage man. And the garbage man leaves. Fran spent this whole time like ranting about how dare you want to cut Maxwell Shepard out of this. He is, he is a man with class and integrity and it's taken him 20 years to mount this play. And if he takes him 20 more, so be it. But you, you can fucking jog on, mate. She goes weirdly cockney at the end there. It's good though. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then Maxwell comes out and then. He says, I'm gay. Yeah. And then the garbage man's like, I said I'm not into men. And then he leaves. And we never see him again. You never see him again. And that's pretty much the end of the scene. And then afterward, like, it's credits, but it's a full scene happening during the credits. A full scene happening during the credits, which to me feels like they're overrun. Like, it feels like they they trimmed as much as they could, so they have to show the credits over this part. Yeah, so uh, Fran is nervous because her mom is coming over and she has to tell her mom that the big investor dropped out. So, so there's going to be no play. There's no play and her money's gone then. She's gone, goodbye. Because uh, they had mentioned earlier that like, oh, it's not a like it's not a sound investment. Like it's a it's a risky thing to yeah. invest and lose it. Even though if he didn't get the investor, what the fuck did he spend the money on? He wouldn't have spent the money yet. Oh, caveat, like, obviously. Like, send him out for, like, fucking fraud that, like, oh, you didn't get the money and now you're not going to give me the money when you didn't have the money to even start anything? I would call bullshit. Panja Club wants their investment back, too. I think Maxwell Sheffield hasn't ever put on a play. I think he's a confidence (laughs) 
Yeah. So Fran's mom comes and uh, Fran is nervous. And there's a, there's a lot of bits of just like, hey, familial abuse is a thing. Moms will uh, moms yell. Bad. Moms will yell and make you frighten, um, but will be like, "Why are you frightened of me?" And Fran is uh, nervously trying to dance around the subject of like, "Hey, you ain't got no money no more." But then Maxwell comes, and, and so Fran is able to deflect to Maxwell. Maxwell, you give her the news. Maxwell says, "Actually, I found an investor for the play." And Fran goes, "Oh, who?" And Maxwell says, "Who's got two thumbs, speaks limited French, and is investing in their own play this more?" And I can't take credit for that joke. I definitely stole it from 30 Rock. But uh, I wanted to tie back into the French that I did at the top of the episode. It's called a callback. It's called a callback. Or as they say in French, a back de call. Um, yeah, he's investing his own money. He's going to play with himself. And Sylvia says, oh, is this? so what's the bad news you wanted to tell me? And Fran says, oh, the, that, that, that millionaire investor. Oh, I turned him down. Well, no, Fran doesn't say it. It is Maxwell who's like, "Oh, you should have seen her. She turned down this millionaire, uh, this millionaire that wanted to date her, um, in order to defend me." And that that was that, Sylvia going like, "Oh, is that that's the that's bad the bad news, news that you wanted?" And then Fran's like, "Yeah, that was that was very clearly the bad news." I'm uh, gaslighting you now. Well, Fran hadn't wanted to say that no. because she knows her mother. Yeah, and Sylvia's like, uh, "What? It's fine. That's fine. I'm just going to stick my head in an oven." Yeah, she tries to commit suicide and episode this scene hits different uh when you have complicated relationships with your parents because there's literally a moment where fran is cowering in fear uh, because she thinks sylvia is gonna hit her yeah that's not a great yeah moment i mean like i am at a, a place with it where it's like for me it is a kind of i think it hits it the way that it wants uh, yeah. To hit it, I would actually say that this is written for people who have a complicated relationship with their parents because I feel like yeah. it is that kind of like yeah. like wincing humor of like I've I have been there I know exactly yeah. what this is so I I wouldn't uh, say much about it of like I feel like it was purposefully written with that yeah. kind of thing I would give it the thing of like there's a lot of families for for whom that is a normalized thing yeah and it should not be a normalized thing. Um, and that's something I could say is like this perhaps normalizes that kind of experience, which it shouldn't, but it shouldn't normalize it in the sense of like making it acceptable, but it should normalize in the sense of like, hey, a lot of people uh, have complicated relationships with their parents and have uh, fear, but it is difficult when we are supposed to like also like think that uh, Sylvia is like such a loving parent. And also I am afraid of physical violence. Yeah. And you're allowed to be afraid of physical violence. I don't really have a follow-up for that. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of this episode? I enjoyed it. I feel like, especially because the last episode was kind of just okay, this feels, this is a lot more fun. I mean, for me, like, half of the joy is seeing Wallace Shawn. He's he's a delight to see in anything. And this is, as you said, it's kind of a retread of the Brock Storm uh, episode with elements of that kind of mistake, not mistaken identity, but one person pretending to be another, which is kind of, that's an, that's one of the oldest sitcom tropes in the universe. And seeing the nanny kind of doing that that's fun. It's enjoyable. I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of fun dialogue and back and forth among the characters. We get to see Cece's apartment for the first time. Niles says something catty at Cece, and then Cece hisses at him like oh, a it's, cat. It's so good. She just hisses. It's great. It's like she didn't have a... Res the writers are not writing responses from her, so she's just like, I'm going to fucking hiss, and I don't give a shit. I'm going to hiss, and I'm doing it. And she does it, and it's great. It's such a great little moment. 
Reminds me of my cousin Connor. My cousin Connor, as a kid, would always hiss at people. We'd have to be like, you can't hiss at people. <laughs> you just can't. I, I, I get it. We would all love to hiss at people, but we can't. We just can't hiss at people. Everyone wants to do it, but you can't. And I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry, but someone made the rules and they, 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 they suck. No hissing. Um, and maybe if you're lucky, you'll be in a social situation with people who you trust and love and they'll let you hiss at them. Um, but until that, when you're just in regular, if you went, you're just at Walmart, don't hiss at people. Yeah. It's, I mean, Walmart actually, I think is probably one, one of the places you can actually hiss at people. I want to tell you, no, you cannot hiss at people. <laughs> Walmart's, I think Walmart, Target, no. Uh, Whole Foods, definitely not. You cannot hiss at people. I know from experience. You cannot hiss at people at Walmart. What happens? Uh, They have a gun section for a reason. Oh, well, then absolutely not. Um, So where can you hiss at people then? I told you, when you're in a safe situation, or if you're around furries, um, I feel like an anime convention, you can hiss at people. Garden center at the Home Depot. No. Garden center at the Lowe's. No. Garden center in Target. No. I thought you were going to say garden center at Ace Hardware, but I don't think you know what Ace Hardware is. I don't think I know what Ace Hardware is. No, my mom used to work at an Ace Hardware. Oh, can you hit at people in the garden center of an Ace Hardware? No. Well, then why bring it up, Mandy? <laughs> what did uh, you think of this episode? Um, So I'm kind of torn on this episode of, I think that it is written very well, like, it's one of those episodes where I can definitely, like, feel the writers, like, flexing. Yeah. They have this fantastic back and forth. There's also a lot of, like, great physical humor and stuff that's, like, in the background. And stuff that isn't necessarily Fran. Like, we always give a lot of credit to, like, Fran as a physical comedian. Cece does a lot of things. Like, her just being out in the rain. Oh, so good. Oh, there was another bit where, like, uh, Niles is supposed to uh, open the door and let her back in. uh, But instead, he just turns off the light in the room. And then she just smushes her face. Against it, beautiful. it. It's, it's so good. So there's so many like little bits in here, but the actual episode itself and the plot is nothing. Yeah, it's, a, it's sitcom stuff. It's to the point that I did not realize until the credits were rolling, like I thought we were only halfway in. I thought really? there was more shit happening. I think that I've, uh, I saw like the first half of this and then the second half of the next episode when it was playing on TV. Like I think that I w- had to go off and do something and then I like, came back and there was a different episode. So I kind of combined them in my head. So this yeah. might be like an unfair thing of like I thought there was more. But also just kind of when we're running through it, like it's mostly just them talking. Granted, there's a fantastic back and forth. But story wise, it just kind of. We're retreading the Brock Storm thing, yeah. but we have a better guest actor this time. Yeah, I enjoy a lot of it because the last episode was so weak. And this season so far, it feels like it's been very 50-50 um, to the point where I think that maybe a couple of months ago, I wouldn't have put this episode as I'm enjoying this. But I think that because things have been so hit and miss, I'll take enjoyment where I can get it. Yeah. And I enjoyed the bits of this episode I enjoyed. The bits I didn't enjoy, I, I couldn't remember. And I think... If something's bad, but you immediately finish watching it, and you can't remember how bad it was, that's a win-win. That's Pirates, <laughs> that's Pirates of the Caribbean 5. I walked out of the theater with no memory of what I had just seen. That's yeah. fine. Because I got to sit in a big air-conditioned room for two hours. I think there was a bank heist. <laughs> I can't remember what happened in that movie. Uh, I think it was called Dead Men Tell, Tell No Tales. <laughs> I can't remember what happened in that film. What are we what are we watching next week? 
Next week, we are watching Season 2, Episode 9, Stock Tip. Fran discovers her new boyfriend, Corbin Burnson, has a secret which could cost Maxwell a fortune. That is Season 2, Episode 9, Stock Tip. Ooh. Ooh. Do you remember anything about this episode? I remember the same thing that is the screen grab on HBO Max. Hey, here's a question for you as I reopen the booklet. Uh, who the fuck is Corbin Burnson? I have no idea. We'll find out, I guess, next time. Well, I'm going to find out now. You're going to find gonna, out I'm gonna, now. I'm going to Google it. You're going to look up his IMDb and it's just going to be this episode of the I also don't know how to spell his name. Okay, I found him. <laughs> Known for his roles as divorce attorney Arnold Becker on the NBC drama L.A. Law. Okay. As Dr. Alan Feinstone as in The Dentist. Okay. Um, he was in Psych. Okay. He was in Major League and Major League 2 and Major League Back to the Minors. All right. He had in- intermittent appearances on The Young and the Restless. I don't know him from any of I recognize these. very few of those names. Yeah, I guess he's an actor who's done some things. Oh, he plays, like, Psyche's dad in Psyche. I'm assuming the character's name is Psyche. Okay. Yeah. All right, so that's what we're watching next week. Yes. All right. Well, that's what we're going to be jumping into next week. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Out on Her Fanny. If you've enjoyed the show and you want to tell people about it, your friends, your family, your loved ones, your hated ones, do please share the podcast. Itty bitty independent podcasts live and die by word of mouth, and we would certainly appreciate yours. Mandy, you are laughing about something. What are you laughing about? He was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, the film? Yeah. With Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah. Well, now I want to watch that movie again, because that's a bang. I also want to watch that movie Such again. A good film. It's a very good film. Can you watch it after work tomorrow? Let's do that. Um, Mandy, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at Mandy Quesadilla and now y'all have heard the story of why that, uh, what that name is. I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And I am at Ben Padden on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram. And I'm a Ben Padden on TikTok. I TikTok very intermittently at the moment. And uh, where can people find Out on Her Fanny on the socials? Uh, you can find the podcast at Out on Her Fanny on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And then you can find our website at oofcast, O-O-H-F-Cast.com. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I've been Ben. I've been Mandy. And yes, we, we do, do know, know it, it means, means vagina. vagina. What's vagina in French? Le vagine. Is it le vagine? It's not, but let's say it is. Vagina. Grand Geek Gathering.